If you like the Live Wild podcast and enjoy hunting-related apparel, I've got you covered. I just launched some great t-shirts, hats, and sweatshirts under my own Live Wild brand. You can find them now on my website, remywarren.com. I just want to say thanks again, everyone, for all the support, and I really hope you enjoy these designs as much as I do. Who knows? Maybe you'll head over to my website and find your next lucky hat. I'm Remy Warren, and I've lived my life in the wild. As a professional guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days perfecting my craft. I want to give that knowledge to you. In this podcast, we relive some of my past adventures as I give you practical hunting tips to make you more successful. Whether you're just getting started or a lifelong hunter, this podcast will bring you along on the hunt and teach you how to live wild. This podcast is presented by Mountain Tough and Yeti. I partnered with Mountain Tough because a lot of the tactics and hunt styles I talk about in this podcast require you to be in the best physical shape you can. Their app is designed for hunters to get you ready for the backcountry or any hunt you have planned this fall. Yeti's been a longtime supporter of mine, and they make some of the toughest products out there that are built to last and they're built for the wild. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. If you've been out hunting, I hope you found some kind of success, whether it's elk, mule deer, pronghorn, whitetails, whatever it is. I was actually able to connect on a, a good five by six bull the other night. It was pretty awesome, man. It was uh, my last evening to hunt using the mouth tab, and yeah, it was a great hunt. I'm excited to share that story soon, but this week, I really want to dive into some October season mule deer tactics, especially for those of you preparing to chase mule deer in the coming month, because Honestly, I feel that chasing mule deer this time of year has to be one of the hardest hunts out West to turn up a mature animal because it's this time of year where their behavior makes them the most difficult to find. So this week, we're going to cover ways to be successful hunting a mule deer using a tactic I like to call the cruising glass. We're going to lace up our boots and look in all the pockets. But before we do that, I want to share the story of where a lot of effort put in pulled out a good buck. When it comes to finding a mature mule deer buck, there's a lot of times of the year that are very conducive to turning up good bucks, even in areas that are maybe more of a general season. Um, but I would say that October time frame is not that time. So as a guide, you know, I, I always liked when the hunts lined up with the best times of year for whatever we were looking for. On this particular week, I happened to have a hunter that had just like a general deer tag in that October time frame, which was pretty standard. But most of the time when I was guiding guys would be more focused on elk. This guy was particularly focused on deer and he wanted to take a mature deer, which really, I, you know, I told him, I was like, look, our work's cut out for us. This is a, a difficult task. It's not impossible, but there's going to be some things that we need to do. It's going to be difficult. We're going to have to put in some miles to make it happen. So we kind of embark on the hunt with that plan in mind we're focusing on mule deer and we're, we're looking for a mature buck because this time frame there's a place we could go we could glass we can turn up those younger deer but we we're looking for something a little bit better in an area that doesn't have a lot of big deer low deer density and a hard time of year to find them so my plan was this i was going to go into the areas where we'd seen the better deer earlier in the season like in that September season when they're bachelored up and then kind of take that ridge down and, and extrapolate, okay, where are they going from this summer range? Now we're going to go into this spot and we're just going to have to kind of do a combination of moving in and glassing a bunch of different areas. So 
a lot of footwork was going to be needed, but we're going to get into these pockets where a lot of people maybe weren't going into and even places that maybe elk hunters weren't going into because it wasn't really prime elk habitat, but areas where I felt like, okay, this is a spot that's secluded that a deer could do its thing and probably not be pressured. Like, yeah, there's general hunters running around for deer, for elk, plenty of people in the, in the mountains, but maybe these are some pockets that guys aren't going to be touching. So uh, that was our plan. We, we kind of started out and, and there was the first couple of days, you know, it was a lot of moving and glassing and not seeing a lot of animals, a few does here, a few small bucks there. And so I, I kind of made the decision. I said, all right, we're going to go to this spot that, you know, I really like, but it's going to be a long hike. It's going to be about 13 miles. And that's just, it, it ended up being where I could, we essentially parked vehicles in two different places. So we we're going to start at one end and then hike our through hike, uh, this range at a certain elevation to kind of then meet up with our ride at the other end. So what we did was like, I kind of just picked an elevation where I felt like we'd seen the most deer, right? And then a place where it's like, all right, halfway between these two points is kind of the furthest place you can get. Because um, I think that that's like, all right, it seemed like a place that most people didn't want to get to because it wasn't easy to get get in and out of. So we start our hunt. We start, you know, in the morning, we get to a, a few openings and, and just start glassing. And then the plan is to kind of start moving through this good burn area. And my thought was I, I really wanted to get into this burn because this time of year it was already difficult to find deer. So I just kind of picked the spot based on a few things. I was thinking, all right, I want a spot that's more open where I can do some glassing, but also somewhere where it's like broken enough country that we're, we're kind of, imagine it like this, where the mountain comes down and there's all these ridges coming off the mountain. And we're traveling at like, say, 6,500 feet in elevation. And we're crossing through the range in and out of all these pockets. Because these are places you can't really look into. They're, they're like tight little micro habitats where it might have food and water and cover. But then I wanted it to be burned so I could kind of concentrate on, okay, there's a little less cover. Or maybe they feel more secure in the burn. Maybe they feel like they're hiding out a little bit. So we can try to locate those bucks that are now split off by themselves in these little pockets. So that's the plan. So we start working and hiking our way through these. You know, we'd seen a few does, but not really, I'd say, maybe, I think it was like two does, you know, and I had often found like in these certain places where the bucks are living, you aren't going to see a lot of deer, but when you do find a deer, it's probably going to be a mature buck just because that's just your hunting and country where mature bucks live. There's not as many of them. You aren't seeing as many, but when you find one, you know, the odds of what you were looking for, that mature buck, that's what you're going to find. So we continue on going through here. And about when we got, it actually took us a lot longer to go than I was expecting because I was thinking like, okay, we'll be kind of midway. We can kind of pace ourselves. So we're going to kind of be like on the one, closer toward the other end by the time it starts to get dark. Well, we're about halfway, which is good. You know, we're, we're about as far from both points as you can get. And now the sun's starting to go down and we get into this good basin that's got a burn. It's got some cover. It's got a little bit of everything, a creek running through it. I think let's just sit up here in glass. We're just going to spend the evening now glassing here. We, we've put in a lot of time. We've checked a lot of pockets. And so sitting there watching and, I, and I'm watching the ridge and, and just kind of going through the places that I like to glass, I glass the ridge and the backside. And Okay, and so we don't see anything in this pocket, but I, I'm looking 
there's this one spot that I cannot see. And I just like, man, this spot looks really good. It just has that. Sometimes you're just sitting there and you go, man, that spot just feels bucky. There's just something about this little fold that feels bucky. And I can only see the top of it from where we're at. So I'm like, all right, instead of sitting here for the rest of the evening, we're going to work our way into that little pocket, check that out. And then maybe we'll have enough time to wrap around and glass the next little basin over. So we move around and I think it was good that I had that like Bucky, that like spidey sense of hunting, like that Bucky sense. Because uh, before we cruised around and popped over in that thing, I just start slowly peeking up glass and glass and glassing. And it just, it looks good. And I start glassing into this one burned pocket that's, there's some like new growth of good forage that I'm thinking, because that's a good spot for deer to feed. And I look up and I see the rack of a deer behind a tree down feeding get ready there's a buck so we get down there there happened to be like a, a fallen log in front of us so we set up throw my pack on the log sets his gun on and i'm like all right i'm trying to explain where this buck is because he's within range it's probably like 250 300 yards but it's like this big burn it's starting to overgrow so you've got like little pines and shrubs and it it this deer is nearly invisible all they can see is back fork of a of an antler so i explain like He's right here and get ready. So he gets set up and sure enough, the buck starts to walk out. Big body, mature deer. I knew he was a good buck, but I I wasn't like analyzing his antlers too well because I knew he was what we were looking for. The guy lines up, pulls the trigger and just, man, hammers him. Perfect shot. We go up there and the buck was a lot bigger than I was expecting. He was like for a general area buck, like a 185 inch buck, five by five, had like a typical mule deer, four by four, had eye guards then, and then extra inlines coming out of that. And just a solid, solid general unit buck taken during the October season, essentially by, you know, putting in the miles, checking all the areas that other people weren't checking and then you know sitting glassing and being diligent but then hitting those other pockets that it's like just that one more ridge that one more piece of country and then finally turning up the buck we were looking for when you think about mule deer hunting october is probably one of the most popular times to chase deer because what states do is they balance this opportunity and success, right? There's only so many deer that they want harvested, but everybody wants the chance to get out and go hunting. So they pick a time of year to have a season when it's the most difficult to find what you're looking for. I mean, nearly every Western state has a season in this October timeframe. Idaho, California, Nevada, Washington, Oregon, Arizona, these are all places that say, hey, it might be good to get guys out there. We'll give some tags away, right? But we're going to give them to you when it's like very, very difficult to find a buck. So the, the key is to now figure out why is it so difficult? And then what's a hunting strategy that we can do uh, to help increase our success this time of year? Because, um, you know, this is for me a, a time that I end up hunting a lot of seasons most of the general seasons that i hunt are during this time frame and success can be difficult but once you kind of figure out a few key things and a few strategies then you can make it more consistent to be successful so i think that the trouble with this time of year is because there's a couple factors other times a year right well the deer congregated 
But this time of year, and we're talking about mature bucks here, like if you're looking for a mature mule deer, they're going to be often secluded, often alone. So you're looking over a lot of country for just one animal that's probably not being super active and kind of gaining his strength, gaining his energy before he's going to emerge into the rut later on. Maybe these deer are going to be traveling long distance to get to a certain rutting area. Maybe they're just, um, they've separated from the bachelor group that was during summertime and into September. And now they're kind of dispersed. They're in their own little pockets. They're in their own little areas. And it makes it very difficult to find them because it's a lot harder to spot one animal than 10 or 20. When during the rut, when you've got a pile of does and bucks running all over and moving all day, yeah, you're going to see a lot more deer. This time of year, those same bucks are just up in a pocket, up in some little fold in the mountain, just chilling, waiting in a place where hopefully nobody bothers them or nothing bothers them. Now, there's a lot of tactics that you can use. I kind of use a different combination of tactics, but this tactic I find suits my hunting style really well. And I feel like it's a good way to kind of cover country, but also cover that country where the deer are hanging out. I call it my cruising glass method. So what I'm doing is essentially moving a lot, but also glassing those prime habitats and those prime places uh, very diligently. So what I want to do is I want to cover as much country as possible. So I'm doing that both on foot and with my eyes. I'm moving, covering country, hitting those pockets. Moving, covering country, hitting those pockets. So the first thing we want to look at is how do we choose the country where we're using this tactic? Because you, know, you can have a certain kind of tactic, right? But if you don't match the terrain and the, the habitat and where those deer might be correctly with it, then you're going to kind of seem like you're spinning your wheels, like you're just, you're walking aimlessly. And so what I like to do is I like to kind of first assess the kind of country that I'm going to be hunting in. And, and mule deer country can be broken down into so many different types, right? But for this podcast, we're going to be kind of talking about two primary types would be those mountain areas. So this is like if you're hunting general deer season like d zones in california right that more mountainous country uh, maybe some of that stuff in washington oregon uh, nevada like the, the idaho especially that like mountain country you might run into some burns you might run into some alpine but it's going to just be a lot of thick timber and then interspersed with more open canyons and other things so what I like to do is this time of year, I kind of think about, okay, where were the deer and where are they going? So there's an area where they're going to be rutting and that's generally more open, lower country where they were in the summertime is generally higher, more Alpine country. So I like to find that mid to high range where it's just below where they were in the summertime, but not necessarily where they're going to be later on during the rut. It's like that first elevation band if you think of the mountain where they're going to start to drop down into where that cover is it's not a specific i can't be like it's going to be eight thousand feet because it depends on the elevation of the mountain where you're hunting so there's some mountains that i hunt where the tops are eight thousand feet and i'm generally hunting like it, it kind of seems to be maybe two thousand feet in elevation below where they were kind of summering so if it's like an eight thousand foot mountain i'm kind of in that 6,000 foot range at this point. Um, it also depends on where the valley floor is. So that would be like an 8,000 foot peak at a 3,000 foot valley. I'm going to be kind of hunting that 6,000 foot band. If it's a 
10,000 foot mountain. One of the best deer we've killed this time of year was a 197 inch buck. And we shot him at 7,500 feet. The top of the mountain was 11,000 feet. So it kind of gives you an idea. And then the valley floor was uh, 6,000 feet. So it kind of gives you an idea of like, it's, we're looking at that kind of top third of the mountain. Now, once we've kind of identified, well, what's that? If you broke it into the thirds, I guess it'd be like the bottom of the first third or the top of the second third from the bottom, right? We're just like that top third of the mountain is kind of where I generally concentrate my effort this time of year. Now, this isn't to say that uh, different places you aren't going to find bucks in, in other countries. Sometimes, you know, just depending on the time of year and what's going on, bucks are going to be in, they can fool you. They can be in different places if you've got resident herds and other things. But I'm just talking about uh, this particular type of habitat, which is a very popular place that people are going to be hunting and covers a lot of habitat, right? So that's kind of where I start my looking. Now, the next part of this strategy is finding the places where there's a lot of country that isn't really glassable from maybe a long ways away, isn't really glassable from roads, really isn't glassable from, or even just like places that is real easy to get into. What I like to do is I like to find country where there's what I'm calling little pockets. Every time it's like that one more ridge mentality where there's another ridge that you can go into and in that ridge has its own set of habitat and its own set of animals that probably live there and its own set of like country that you can discover right and in these areas there's probably going to be a lot of country that isn't glassable so what i like to do is i like to use that unglassable country to still hunt as i go to these glassable pockets i like to pick my areas based on a few things my hunting style and technique is another thing that i look for so i'm looking for those uh, i'm picking that top third of the mountain and i'm also looking for places where it's like okay there's a lot of different ridges in here and there's some open glassing, some good mule deer forage, like some good browse. So they like that more brushy country. They definitely gravitate toward that. So if there's some of that good browse, maybe it's like an area that's full of pine trees, but hey, here's a sage pocket. Then I'm looking for those places. And I'm going to try to cover as many of those as I can. Maybe it's an area that's like a lot of timber, but maybe this particular section of it burned, so it's glassable. But there's also cover and other things in there that the deer are looking for. So that's how I'm kind of picking those spots. Now, the tactic is going to be I'm moving through, still hunting to the glassing places. When I'm moving, I'm generally traveling the places that deer are going to be I would say like most likely bedded up in that cover. So it's going to be like I'm, I'm trying to cruise. The ridge line is a lot easier to move on. It's also the place where a lot of deer, when they're in timber, are going to be bedded up. So as I'm moving, I'm kind of still hunting these ridges to get into these other pockets to start glassing. Now, there's a few key things that you want to think about this time of year you know you don't want to you don't want to think of it like this like oh i got to constantly be moving because sometimes you're going to be walking through or passing by really good habitat where deer are definitely living there's a complete opposite strategy to hunting this mule deer this time of year where it is finding that really good particular pocket and just sitting there and being patient and waiting till you see a deer there I know a lot of people that do that and are extremely successful. And I've actually done that in certain instances. There's a place that I'm going to be hunting this year where I've scouted it enough to know that there's really good bucks in there and they just disappear in October. And I think that they're still in there. So my plan is going to be to get on this glassing point and essentially spend my entire hunt from one place 
glassing. Uh, that's a tactic that we'll talk about a little bit at a different time. Right now we're talking about a tactic where we're moving and checking as many places as we can. So we're using like that philosophy of just cover country. Now, the hard part about that is sometimes you're going to be moving through an area and not a peak time where there's a very good potential that there can be an animal there, but you aren't actually giving it the best go. So what I like to do is I like to kind of think of it in a few different ways. The first is I'm moving to places that are just harder to see from anywhere and those little smaller pockets that just have a lot of habitat in a small amount of area because I'm, I'm feeling like those smaller areas I can effectively hunt in a shorter amount of time. Now, another thing that I'm doing is I'm looking for those morning and evening times in the really good spots. And I'm going to be really diligent with my glassing in those places where deer will be moving or most likely be moving. So early morning, late evening in this October timeframe is going to be your best chance for catching movement. And those times I want to make sure that I'm sitting and glassing the places that look most productive to me as I'm moving through country. Uh, maybe sometimes I'll be moving through country and I go, this pocket looks really good. I feel like I didn't cover it real well. So I'm going to go to the next ridge, check the next pocket, but I'm going to think maybe by the evening I'll come back to this spot and really glass here. Now, when I'm glassing, so it's a combination of moving and glassing. Uh, let's say I, I walk into a new canyon, I sit down, and now I've got my glass out. I've got probably got my spotting scope and tripod out. I've got my binoculars, either steady or whatever, just locked off. And I'm going to be looking toward a few things. I'm going to be looking on the fringes of cover and toward cover. If I'm in a more open area, I'm going to then start gridding the entire thing, looking for those little bits of movement, bedded deer. I'm looking for a single animal in this area. So I've got that mindset, that search image of saying, I'm just looking for one animal that's by himself in this pocket. Where would he hide? And then I really focus on those areas where the deer will hide. Then if I, if I, it's an area where I'm like, okay, I, I've felt like I've looked over everything. Now I'm going to move to the next ridge, but Hey, there's this little pocket of maybe potential bedding. I'm going to sneak through there as I move glassing as I'm going and then get into the next pocket and do the same thing. Sit down long range glassing and check every little pocket where I, until I felt like, okay, I've hunted this spot well enough. I feel like if something's in here, I've covered it. Now I'm going to move on to the next spot because the thing is these mature deer are definitely more spread out than they are other times of year. They're, they're concentrated in, in smaller areas earlier in the season. They're concentrated down where the does are during the rut. This time of year, all those bucks have started to just disperse and their density just starts to spread out. So I wanna cover more ground in hopes of finding something that's more spread out. One thing you wanna think about as you're using this move and glass approach is as you're moving on those ridges, really paying attention to what's around. Like, the animals that are going to be there are probably bedded and you don't want to bump them before they see you. A few years back, my dad and I were just doing the same exact tactic, moving on a ridge. And it's just like, you have to constantly be glassing into the cover as you're moving. Otherwise, there's going to be a lot of things that you miss. If in fact you do bump something, the first thing I do is I talked about before, like the stopper call, like grunt, do some kind of noise to hopefully get another chance at seeing what actually moved out of there. Was it a doe? Was it the buck you're looking for? Now, if a deer does pop out and run over, 
one thing that I'll do is I'll, I'll give it a few minutes and then I'll try to work my way around, get the wind right and glass into the area where I believe that deer disappeared to. There have been times where, you know, I messed up, bumped a deer, but I can drop down, get around and glass into that area where he went into and then know that, okay, at least I know this is where a deer is living. Now I can focus my hunt on this particular spot. I don't like to think of it as like just walking around to blow a deer out, but sometimes that actually is a tactic that I, I wouldn't call it a tactic, but it's something that happens that ends up working out really well because you're already moving. You got to get to these spots. You have to, you have to keep moving and find and checking all these pockets. And sometimes a deer does get busted out, but then being able to recover them is just kind of getting the wind right. And now going, okay, I'm going to hunt this deer, even though he's been spooked once, I know that he's here. And so that narrows down the places that you're looking. They're going to be a little more patternable this time of year too. So if you happen to bump a deer out, he's probably going to be in and living in around that pocket. I would believe that that deer would come back. There's been times where it's like this time of year, I find a buck. It seems like that buck just goes dark, but I continue to keep hunting that same place. And sure enough, turn them up again because they're a little more habitual and they're used to these little places where they're hanging out until that rut kicks off. I think one of the hardest things about hunting October mule deer is just keeping your mind in that space of readiness where it's like, it's super easy, uh, especially in areas where you aren't seeing a lot of deer to just say like, ah, oh, man, they aren't here. They aren't here one thing that I always try to do is just keep that positive mental attitude because I would say out of all the hunts that I do, this is always the one that seems to be the toughest. It's like you're in good country. You're covering a lot of ground. You should be seeing deer. You know the deer are there, but you just aren't turning them up. So one thing that I always think about is the deer just, they're here. They're just around the corner. I need to hunt every pocket like I know that there's deer there. And I feel like sometimes you get into a spot and you're like, okay, well, I, I throw the binos up. I don't see anything. There's no deer here. Move to the next one. I like to enter every little area that I'm hunting where it's like, okay, I, I can glass this. I can still hunt this. I've got a potential. There's deer here. And I hunt it like there's deer there. And when I do that, I feel like I cover it a lot better than just thinking, ah, there's no deer here. I'll move on to the next one. I know it's super easy to kind of get those happy feet. And that's this, this whole strategy is like moving and glassing, but you also have to feel like you completely covered the area that you're looking into. And so the best way to do that is to just have that mindset of there's deer here. And if you do that, every time you go into that Canyon, you're actually going to hunt it a lot better. Also, you know, just keep that positive mental attitude up because this time of year, you can be a grind for sure. You know, there, there's times where I'm like, all right, I know there's bucks here, but I'm not seeing them. What's going on? Sometimes when it comes to hunting October mule deer, the thing you need is just a good break, right? You need that good weather. Last year was great for a lot of areas because we got an early October snow. So there's a lot of guys hunting in like Idaho general areas. And what happened was there became a lot of snow in the back country and it went from not seeing very many deer to just deer popping out everywhere. Sometimes you just got to think about hunting those breaks as well. So when you've got that weather change, when you know, you're out there already, keep an eye out for those things that are going to make it a little bit better and just push success into your corner a little bit sooner. 
I absolutely love chasing mule deer, and I think it's because of the difficulty that they present, especially when it comes to chasing mature mule deer. Then you tack on the fact that it's the hardest time of year to find them, and it just becomes exponentially more difficult. There are a few tactics, though, that can help you turn up those bucks this time of year, and I think a lot of it just boils down to really understanding their behavior and lifestyle. Some of you have checked it out before, but I did a full series on mule deer on outdoor class. And I think it's a really good way to kind of understand and get in the mindset of like, here's what deer are doing this time of year. And here's how I can kind of exploit that and use other tactics to go into that. So if if you've got a deer hunt coming up and you really want to know more about some of this, that's a definitely a good resource to check out. You can always use code live wild. It'll give you a discount on that. And you get everybody else's course. So you don't just get my Mule Deer course, but there's a lot of other courses on there for hunting tips and tactics. But I think when it comes to Mule Deer hunting, that's a really good resource to be able to see some of the stuff that I'm talking about, as well as kind of hear and just expand your knowledge on this is how I hunt Mule Deer. So that's something to think about and look into if you've got a hunt coming up. I definitely think it will be beneficial to you. Next week, I want to, well, actually, so tomorrow, Friday, I'm going to do a live Q&A about 10 a.m. Pacific time. So if you've got mule deer questions, you've got hunting questions, you can call in. Check my social media, at Remy Warren. I'll give you all the details for that. The way it works is the first, like, 20 or 30 people that call in are in there and then we've got like a moderator and we just go through the list of questions i always do a little bit of a giveaway as well so if you've got the time now just make sure to check the social media i put the number on there as well because just in case there's some technical difficulties getting something set up or whatever i want to make sure that we get it at the right time so generally the lines fill up super fast. Pretty much you want to be on, I flip it on that exact time. You want to call in then and hopefully get a spot. And then I'll try to answer some of your guys' questions. So I really enjoy those Q&As. It's a lot of fun for me. I'm sure I'll get a few elk questions, some deer questions coming up. Feel free to ask away. I'm really looking forward to that. So that's going to be here tomorrow, Friday, And yeah, check out social media, give it a call. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Appreciate you all. And until next week, let's go find those hidden bucks. See you guys later.